Hi, my name is Jan Wilczek from dwolfsound.com. Welcome to Wolf Talk, a podcast about audio programming. In this podcast, you will learn how to build your career in programming or research related to audio, meet programmers and researchers from all around the world, and learn about the intricacies of sound. Hi everyone and welcome to the 14th episode of the Wolf Talk podcast. Today I have a very special guest for you, as usual. This is Christoph Gutandin, a web audio developer from Berlin, whom I met at the Audio Developers Conference 2022. So, of course, we'll delve deep into the web audio stuff. We'll, above all, discuss his story and how he became a web audio developer. And what is important to stress here, he's a self-taught audio developer. So I believe you can gain a lot of confidence from hearing to his story. And what is more, he's an independent contractor. So if you're looking that this could be your route, I believe Chris shares some tips that may be helpful on the path to becoming a freelancer. And of course, this wouldn't be a Wolf Talk episode if we did not mention a way how you can entry into this field. So I asked Chris specifically, what are the best technologies to get started today? What is the kind of a go-to piece of software that you can use or programming language? And Chris was so nice as to mention a ton of resources that he uses in his day-to-day job of web audio development. If you'd like to check up on these tools, references, and resources, please head out to episode notes at dewolfsound.com slash talk014. So once again, it's dewolfsound.com slash talk014. And here I'd be remiss if I did not mention that if you want to become an audio plugin developer, please go to dewolfsound.com slash checklist because there, there's a free resource that lists every bit and piece of knowledge that you need to become an audio Developer. So if you're looking for a roadmap to get you there, and I get quite a lot of requests, hey, could you design for me a dedicated roadmap how I can learn to become an audio developer? Here is a kind of a go-to place that you can start right away for free. Once again, it's duosan.com slash checklist. And now, Christoph Gutandin. Hi, Chris. Thanks for agreeing on this interview. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Jan. Uh... Well, I, I live in Berlin. I, I build multimedia applications for the web, uh, which are sometimes small things, sometimes big projects, sometimes I'm working alone, sometimes uh, I'm part of a bigger project, but it's, it's all different every time, but uh, it always has to do something with audio and video in the browser. And sometimes I hang out at conferences and this is how we met. Yeah, exactly. We met during the Audio Developers Conference 2022, and I hope we'll come back to this topic in this interview. Meanwhile, I wanted to ask you how your journey in music started. So where your interest in music first took place? Um, I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, um, but I have, I have a small daughter, and uh, sometimes we visit my parents. And whenever we do that, they, they let her play with my old toys. And and that's why I know that I had a Mickey Mouse drum set when I was <laughs> a very little kid, and I think that's that was my first first music instrument, and that's when it all started. Nice, nice. And uh, maybe you remember then your motivation that uh, pushed you to go into university and you know study audio related things. Mm, yeah, I think that that was. Um, because of electronic music, I was, uh, or oh, I, I still very much enjoy listening to techno music, and I was curious how that works and how how these sounds get produced and how how this all works and how yeah how I could do this myself and yeah. So then one thing led to the other. Okay, so what did you study and uh, where? Uh, the subject was called Median Informatic. There's, I think there's no good translation to English for it. 
And it was at the HTW or HTV here in Berlin. And yeah, it was, um, uh, had to do something with media, I thought, but it was more uh, tailored towards image processing and everything had to be done in Java. And when you uh, diverged from that path, then, then it was not really for you. And that's what I did. So yeah, it wasn't really for me. I didn't know this in advance, but yeah, in the end, I, I finished it anyway. Okay, then good for you for persevering, pushing <laughs> through. Although I'm surprised that they use Java because I would, I would naturally think that for image processing, they would use MATLAB because it's a academic environment. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, for, for some reason, like Java was like the 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 language to use. And if you, like that was also my part of my frustration because I was doing most of the things in, in JavaScript and um, always had to fight that to explain that this is also possible. But Okay, so uh, did you directly after the study go into your, you know, independent thing and started doing independent contracting? Oh, yeah, I already actually did this already before. Like, I was something like an AV technician. That was my first... Um, traineeship i think that's the right term in english for that um and and then after that i i started as an independent developer and motivation part of the motivation for for studying it was like um that i thought i needed proper education to <laughs> to do this but actually no one really asked me if i if i went to uni university or not like of course we are talking now about it but no one really asked me this before hiring me so yeah yeah so that's a that's actually a very important message that you don't need to study it at the university to do it for for a living and so uh, if you didn't have the university to help you how did you learn uh, web audio programming uh <laughs> i don't know i think i was around ever since and this um this is basically how i did it like i I think the the first thing I ever did with the web audio API was a project on a, on a music hack day, and I kind of anticipated that question, so I, I looked it up. It was in two thousand thirteen, and now about ten years ago. And at that time, there was there were still two audio APIs in the browser, like the the good old audio data API from from Mozilla, and uh, yeah, I thought. Like when I, um, as I said before, I was like an AV technician and then I became a developer. And at that time, there was not much you could do with with this AV knowledge in the browser. But then when the WebRTC API came along and WebRTC was also very new at that point in time, then you could finally do uh, media things in the browser again. On, yeah, again, basically, because it was kind of possible before with Flash, but that the way and then yeah the the standards based things came along and yeah i was experimenting with it ever since and then slowly but steadily i got uh, jobs working on it working with it and that's basically how how i learned it and how how i uh, yeah got to know all the <laughs> the little secrets around it Nice. And uh, before we delve deeper into this, I wanted to ask because that's something that I always find interesting. Uh, how did uh, you know your customers find you? Uh, how did you land? How did you land your first uh, gigs? And uh, how did it go on from there? Hmm. I don't don't know what what really were my first web audio jobs. I can't really remember. But I never really left the the media sector. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when. When I was a developer, I I uh, kept working for media companies, not doing media stuff, but basically doing their websites. And so I never really left that that sector. So I think that was a big advantage in hindsight. But I don't really remember what the worst first web audio job was. But I think nowadays people find me because uh, they they find me on the internet. And hopefully this podcast will be <laughs> helping with that too. But I don't really know, to be honest. Okay, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. Okay, so uh, I've seen and uh, many, many times that you contributed to the web audio community. 
through your open source code, but also work in the audio community group and also your talks at various conferences, which are numerous and that's that's quite impressive. And then I would like to ask you about your uh, your work and experience in this area. So maybe one thing would be, how did you become a member of this uh, audio community group? Um, by filling out a form, like anyone can can be a member. That's that's something that that I actually uh, had no clue before that this is possible with things like standards on the web that you can just um, yeah contribute like. M- Many of these standards, or I think all of them, are nowadays basically GitHub repositories. And you can just file an issue. You can uh, even submit a PR. Will probably not get accepted the right away, but there's <laughs> there's always a lengthy discussion if you propose something. But it's actually possible, and you can definitely take part in it. And yeah, at, at uh, the very beginning, I thought that's definitely not for me because I don't work at Google, and I'm not building a browser myself, but you can definitely join in. Especially the audio working group, which is like, there's the community group, which everyone can join, and then there's the working group, which is only um, consisting of paying members of the W3C. Um, but especially the audio working group is very, very open to that. They they encourage um, anyone to join. Okay, and So if anyone listening to this <laughs> has any <laughs> any problems with the web audio API yeah feel free to to propose something nice and uh, is it uh, structured so do you have like concrete responsibilities there as a member of this uh, of the working group no 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 i'm i'm not a member of the working oh, group okay. like, i'm only in the community group and and there's no no responsibility uh, attached to that Okay, so then it's mostly based on your voluntary vo- voluntary feedback and also submitting the the, the proposals in in the mm-hmm. in the f- yeah. form of pull requests. Okay, okay, yeah, that's the fact that I get you know working group and community group uh, confused and which you are in, in like it uh, shows how far I am from this from this territory. But uh, hopefully this podcast will also get me a little bit a little bit closer. So yeah, it's very it's actually very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but the, there are so many rules, and in, in in fact, no one. Well, obviously, everyone cares about it. But if if you do do something wrong or propose something which you are not allowed to propose, no one will judge you on that. It's yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty great. And uh, the the last point uh, in this in this topic, I would like to ask you because you really uh, contributed a lot through your talks at conferences. And could you maybe share how is your approach to it? Do you have any tips to speak to to people who would like to speak at developer conferences? Mm, I'm not sure if I'm experienced enough to give tips for that, but uh, I generally just try it. Like there's always this call for proposals, as you also know, and then you have to propose something, and either it get pick, gets picked or not, and then. We have to uh, actually prepare the talk, but it's um, it's uh, frustrating at times. Like if you put work into proposing something, and then you have the feeling that it doesn't wasn't really um, read at all. But it yeah, it's it's a bit like gambling. So you don't. If if your talk gets rejected, don't feel like like that's not for you. Like you have to try it numerous times until it finally works. Yeah. Okay. And then sometimes you submit something which you think hmm, I'm not sure if that's ever going to be accepted, and then that's actually the one which which gets accepted. So. Yeah, that's, that's actually in in hindsight, it's very interesting uh, which talks get accepted and which which don't. Yeah, and I also think like. I, I don't have any data for this, but um, being at a few conferences, I think that from the outside, it always looks like there are experienced speakers which get uh, accepted at every conference. And the truth is they just <laughs> sent in a lot of proposals and that's how they uh, how they end up at all these conferences. So it, there's, there's no real, um, yeah, no real uh, secret to it. Okay, so it's mastery through repetition. 
<laughs> I would say so. Well, is, that, is that also your experience? <laughs> Uh, no, I actually I I got lucky. I got lucky. Uh, I think I I would say I'm two out of two so far. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, in both cases, I I think I had I had good good topics so to say. And uh, when I spoke at the uh, scientific conference, it's also you know I I haven't just presented my research, but I was also backed by professors and. People generally more experienced in this field than I was, so that that was that was like I think eighty percent of the success, and not in the sense that they are so known that the paper gets automatically accepted, but they they were able to you know give me feedback beforehand, right? They knew uh, what is good, what is maybe not good, so what's worth presenting and what's not worth presenting, and the feedback I got from them, okay, is if it's not worth uh, submitting, then we won't submit it, so we won't sign it. But if it's worth submitting, we typically get it through. And that was the case. And for ADC 2022, uh, well, I, I thought I had a strong case, but uh, as, you, as you said, it's not, always, uh, it's not always a guarantee for being accepted. Yeah, well, well that's actually a good point. Like there's, I, I didn't really think about it, but there's actually the, the differentiation between an academic conference and then things like the ADC uh, where you... When you submit a, submit a paper, then you actually have five, six, seven pages, which prove that you that you are an expert and that you really put work into this. But when you submit a talk, then you have a, a short paragraph, and then people have to decide based on that if if you are uh, if that is something worth putting on stage or not. And that's actually <laughs> like you get judged on something which is, has nothing to do with uh, the final talk in the end. So. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when people get to vote, you you need to be more of a marketer, right? Whereas in a scientific conference, you need to be more of a researcher and, mm. and sneak in some marketing elements along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, is it all right that we got now a little bit more technical? Because, uh, well, as a as a guest in this podcast, you're regarded as a web audio expert, if uh, <laughs> if you agree on it or not. And so my fir <laughs> my first question to you is in this area: Do you prefer TypeScript or JavaScript? Uh, definitely TypeScript these days. But I do remember that that when when I first heard about it, I thought, mm, yeah. <laughs> "What's that? I don't need it." Uh, it was like there was. There were other things before, like CoffeeScript, for example, and I thought TypeScript is just another iteration of that. And yeah, but these days I I can't really uh, do it. Well, I, I I think I can, but I don't want to do anything without it anymore. Okay, that's that's a good tip. Uh, also, where to where to start in this world. But I, I think like the the things we talk about web audio and and other related APIs, that's actually. A weakness of TypeScript, I would say, because it's um, it, it has built-in types for what it thinks the browser provides. Like TypeScript is only it's only living on top of JavaScript, and it can't really enforce the types at runtime. It can only tell you at compile time, and at runtime, it's still the the good old JavaScript madness that can happen. Uh, and that anything can happen any any time, and um, uh, TypeScript has like I don't know where they got their data from. I think they just take the IDL from the um, from the specs and then compute um, the type definitions for the browser APIs. But this, this is only a theoretic version of it, and it doesn't match with any browser because they all have these tiny little subtle differences, and then. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm um, not uh, objective on this because I have a, a few projects which do like runtime checks and then only provide uh, the types that that are actually available at runtime. But I definitely would recommend doing this for anything that that is fairly new, because it, it's of course no problem if you do this for with. Oh, yeah, let me think of something which is like event listeners, like adding an event listener to a DOM node or not. That's probably in all, all of the browsers right now. But if you do something with 
the media session API, for example, then it's it's not really good to rely on the TypeScript types for that. Okay, so uh, you already touched on another question that I wanted to ask. So is, is this the biggest uh, problem, the biggest challenge when using a different browser in, in web audio programs? So they, they all have their little quirks and it's hard to write code that runs everywhere in the same way? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, uh, well, I, I would not really call this a problem because I, I think it's a good thing that we have different browsers and that they, they all implement the same spec because that, that, that's frustrating, of course. And there's one particular browser which was is famous for being very slow at implementing APIs, but it sometimes also helps. Like um, when you have. A browser which you which you use during development, then this is kind of the truth that that you you are following. And then uh, when you test this in a different browser, you naturally think um, if if something gets goes wrong, you naturally think, ah shit, that must be that browser. But sometimes, well, at least that that happens for me. That that I then realize, oh no, this is me because I I just assumed that this somehow inconsistent behavior in that one browser is is okay to rely on and but that was not really uh, meant to be relied on and then yeah you you find things in in your code which which you can improve on okay so maybe taking like looking at the at the bigger picture now uh, if you were to explain to someone listening to this podcast who is not involved in you know web development at all then what would you how would you explain what is the web audio API? That's mm, actually tricky. Well, I think it's the naming is very confusing because the web audio sounds very universal, and um, it's only a part of the the bigger picture. Like the web audio API only deals with sound processing. Like getting inputs is not part of the web audio API. Selecting outputs is not part of the web audio API. Uh, there, there are a lot of things which which are not part of it. Like it's, um, I I also answer um, questions on Stack Overflow whenever I have time for it, and then a, um, a very common um, pattern is that people ask questions in the web audio API um, with the web audio API tag, which technically don't have anything to do with it but yeah i think that's that's uh i'm not sure if that's a problem but the, the name is actually yeah it's a very good name i would say it's too good because it's it sounds as if the, the api would do everything that has to do with audio okay so then it is a set of a set of functions and, and objects that deal with audio processing then in the browsers that all the browsers should ideally implement in the same way? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I think one analogy that, that's often used is that it's a bit like a modular synthesizer. It has all these little blocks, like a, a filter that you can use um, and other notes for, for playing something, other notes for analyzing it, and other notes for, for mixing it. And... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I think I don't have a good explanation for it. Okay, so it's something that everyone just needs to experience on their own. Um, well, I, I'm not sure if if that's true, but I, well, I, the it's true that Chris Rogers uh, first came up with the concept, and he, uh, I think, was before tasked to build the native APIs on macOS. Um, so I think it's fairly similar, but I, I can't say this for sure because I really don't really work with the native APIs. Okay, okay. And when it comes to these uh, to these differences in, in the implementation of audio-related APIs in the browsers, then uh, how do you personally handle it? Uh, <laughs> I, I test, 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 and and test. Um, well, whenever possible, like there are when 
like Chrome and Firefox uh, and Edge as well, of course, because it's Chrome now too, Chromium. Um, they have um, releases or the preview releases of the upcoming versions. So do, you can test against the current version, but you can also test against the beta version, which is um, probably coming in four weeks, and then against another version, which is coming in eight weeks. And if you run all your tests constantly against all these different versions, then you should, in theory at least, be able to detect bugs before they arrive in in the stable version. And that's a way to to um, to give early feedback to the browser vendors because they also um, don't want to break things. And generally, if you if you um, get a chance to to report bugs while they are still implementing it, then there's there's a good chance they're they're fixing it right away because there's someone working on it anyway. So yeah, that's actually a good way to to prevent this. But it's a bit different for Safari because they also have a technology preview version, but it's it's not. There's no um, clear path. Uh, which of these features land in the stable Safari and when? Like it's, they might land. They might land in a different version. Uh, yeah, you you can experiment. Uh, yeah, experiment with it, but you cannot really rely on it. So it, that's that's a tricky thing. Okay, and when you say running tests, do you mean automated tests on or manual yeah. tests? Yeah. Okay. No automated ones. Yeah. Nice. And then. Uh, during the Audio Developers Conference 2022, uh, or maybe, sorry, I wanted to ask another question. The question was, uh, I know that you also have something on your repository that is called standardized audio context. Is that correct? So Yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah. So could you tell me a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about what what's the, what was the idea for it and how it works? Um, the The final goal of the library is to to delete it <laughs> so it's it's um dealing with browser inconsistencies and also it's very frustrating <laughs> not not frustrating it's sad when when you have to delete code that you put so much work uh into uh developing and then it's obsolete but um yeah i i try to delete as much code as possible like it's it's also heavily um based on this uh idea that everything needs to be tested. I think it has about 10,000 10, tests uh, that it runs. And it's whenever uh, there's something, some some bug in, in some browser which needs to get fixed, I add a test for it, which is supposed to to fail when this, um, uh, when the bug gets fixed in the browser. So I can monitor when it gets fixed and then I usually wait about at least two releases, and then I remove the code so that it's um, that it doesn't pile up indefinitely. Nice. So, and hopefully, at some point, it's just exposing the native audio context without any any patches to it. But yeah, it's it's not there yet. Nice. That's actually a beautiful work, and I I think that uh, you know browser manufacturers should bless you for it. Because also it tells them where the problem where the problems lie, right? Yeah, well, they they have their own project for this, uh, like it's called Web Platform Tests, and it's also a set of tests which um, uh, runs, which they run across every browser to, to check if they are compatible or not, and a lot of these tests are duplicated in my code base because uh, these projects started um independently and yeah it would be super nice if someone could take the effort to to merge the two test suits but yeah no one did so far and it's obviously a tedious task to do so i'm not sure if anyone will ever do it yeah i get it i get it Alden, uh, moving on to to other area of your interest. So at Audio Developers Conference 2022, you presented on audio synchronization on the web. Is this your current area of focus right now? Yeah, yeah, it actually is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, by by coincidence, I got a few client projects which deal with this, and I also had had a long-standing personal project um, working on this. So yeah, this is 
what I spend most of my time with these days. And uh, I know that there is a talk available on the on YouTube that we will link to. But maybe would you like to summarize the challenges of this area in a few sentences? Mm, it's I would say it's similar to anything else in in the browser that that you can get it working very quickly, like the Pareto principle. You get get to something working very quickly, but if you want to do it really really well, then it takes a lot of time to to tweak it. Like um. Uh, I have a library which uses the uh, WebRTC data channels to um, to sync, send sync message from from one peer to the other, and you can do uh, like you can set up a data channel in in seconds. Uh, there there are hundred different tutorials on it uh, on YouTube, I guess. But then you can tweak it so that the semantics of the data channel become UDP like that. There's no head of line blocking, but there might be head of line blocking if you send other messages uh, um, on the same connection at the same time. But you can also wait for them, and so there are a lot of things which which you can tweak to to make it better, 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 better. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, always the question on how much time you want want to put into it. And do you need to test it? You actually set up multiple computers to test it. Uh yeah I do yeah yeah okay but it, it's it's yeah it's very tr tricky to test this right because how do you if you have two independent computers and you want to test how how synchronized they are then how do you know if they are two independent ones <laughs> you need to a third one which is connected to both of them to to tell you if they are yeah in sync but yeah, so Again, I think this is only something which you can get. You can get very far, but then at some point you hit hit a dead end. Okay, so to wrap up the topic of Audio Developers Conference 2022, could you summarize your general impression on the conference from the perspective of an web audio programmer? Uh, I, that was my second ADC in person, I think, and it was was great as the, as the first one. Um, I, I uh, um, slowly uh, remember the, the faces uh, that I that I meet there. So it's 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 like uh, meeting familiar people again. And yeah, um, of course, I like being at a conference talking about audio for three days. <laughs> That's great. But I I think web audio or audio on the web is slowly but steadily becoming a mainstream topic. It used to be like, ah, yeah, that's interesting, but yeah, that's not not nothing for serious projects, and I think that's slowly changing. But yeah, I I can imagine it's still still a long way to to go until this is finally, uh, uh, yeah, something. Well, I'm not sure if this should should be something that everyone does. So um, it, maybe it's it's becoming it it stays. Um, a certain area and doesn't really become mainstream. I don't know. <laughs> what what yeah. were your impressions? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question. So uh, I see there's a lot of a lot happening, and uh, especially an important point about web web audio is that it is written with JavaScript, and a lot of people are feel quite good with JavaScript, while they really hate C plus plus, C, and uh, related languages. So I think uh, maybe at one point we'll get into some beautiful merge of you know JavaScript being able to uh, process audio uh, in a more C++ way of, of a native compiled program. And this will somehow merge with the web audio uh, stuff as well. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's a chance to do these things with WebAssembly. But... Um... Yeah, maybe I did something wrong, but whenever I used it, it was like a clear border between the things. Like it was, there was the WebAssembly C++ part, and then there was the JavaScript, which then was mostly just glue code. And there's, I haven't seen any any good way yet to to merge the two, so that you can actually merge things and take 
things from both worlds. It's either one or the other right now, but maybe that's coming. I don't know. Yeah, but, but definitely. Also, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry. Go ahead, please. Yeah, but I I, I say that uh, you know definitely this this topic is is kind of hot right now, and it's very interesting to explore. Also, all the applications that I saw on the internet were really amazing, up to a full fledged you know DAW in the browser, which I guess uh, is already out there in some form of or another. Yeah, it is. Uh, but what, what I'm curious about is like what will people build, uh, which hasn't been possible before like i i think everything is possible in every language like it depends on the effort that you are willing to put into it but there are a lot of things on the web which are essentially free like um sharing a link with someone is uh, essentially free instead of um, sending a binary <laughs> and uh, hoping that it will execute on on the the other device so yeah i'm, I'm curious what what will come out of it when once once people are done with replicating the status quo, I'm, I'm curious what what would be next. But also, like that, that's what I just wanted to say that at the ADC there are audio topics in general, and they they usually apply um, it, even if it's not really meant for for the for the uh, environment. Like there were talks on real time programming, how to make this thread safe and yeah, these the same problems exist if you mix WebAssembly with uh, JavaScript and have different web workers and then an audio workload and all that. Communicating with a shared array buffer, it's basically the same in the end. So it's also nice to to hear these kind of talks. Great. So uh, it's already a little bit uh, or a lot of a lot of overlap. And uh, then will you be present at the Audio Developers Conference 2023? I don't know yet. <laughs> it's, the, it's the call for papers actually already open. I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, actually, it's it's already closed. Ah, okay. So then then the the answer is no. <laughs> okay. Then I'm uh I'm sorry, but maybe maybe you'd like to drop by, you know, just just yeah, for fun. Yeah, sure. That that's actually uh uh the the best part that that's the reason why I, I go to conferences is to to talk with other people about similar things like because i'm i'm mostly working uh remote so this is a chance for me to talk to other people but the talk is always the stressful part of it and the other one is the the, the part which i enjoy so going to a conference without giving a talk is actually also uh, very much worth it yeah i agree and i think I'm uh, like for me, it's it's the same in the way that in my area there's there are no you know audio related meetups, uh, even even like a C plus plus meetup is is like uh, you know an hour drive away. I think the nearest one. So uh, I also enjoy you know going to such conferences to be able to talk to people about you know similar problems that you're experiencing. But also you know this podcast is another chance for me to talk about cool stuff. Uh, so now let's focus maybe on the learning aspect of uh, web audio programming. So let's say that someone wanted to do audio in the browser, so wanted to code some piece of uh, audio software in the browser. And uh, from your perspective, what are the go-to technologies today? So which languages, which libraries, which frameworks would you recommend? And if uh, if that makes things easy for you, let's assume that I would like to code a simple oscillator, so a kind of a synthesizer, and then followed by by a filter, and I want it to run in the browser just to output sound. If that's all you want to do, then I would like go to MDN, the the general documentation of the web, and uh, search for the oscillator node and the the bike watt filter node and then chain these two and then you're basically done but it's it's tricky for me since i'm probably the wrong person to to answer this like it would be nice to to have someone who just started with it and get their um, impression but there's a very um very old uh project from matt called web audio school I think it's still up and running, which is uh, giving you a few 
little tasks and then you have to uh, fill in the planks and then you can run the, the, the code and either it works or it doesn't. So that's, that's actually nice. And uh, the Chrome team has a, a lot of web audio examples, I think, is the repository called, where they have simple examples for the web audio API. Similarly, uh, Paul from uh, Firefox has a blog where he um, publishes uh, articles on the web audio API. Um, Ruth, actually, from also from, from the Mozilla, uh, has has MDN tutorials for the web audio API, like not um, not the the usual MDN pages which describe an interface or a function. Like um, there are also pages which um, are like tutorials, broader tutorials, and um, yeah, what else? And then of course the, that's the, the web audio Slack channel and uh, Stack Overflow where you can go to and and ask questions. Okay, thanks a lot. I, I I hope that everyone noted it down, and if not, then I I will also link to these resources. I, the I also notes. forgot. Uh, like Tone.js is a very very popular library, and it's probably it's very big and probably overwhelming to to start with, but you will find a lot of resources on it because it's used uh, by a lot of people. So yeah, that's maybe also a good idea to to look at that. Okay, and then uh, my question is because that's something that interests me. Uh, what is the overlap between Tone.js and Web Audio API? Mm, actually, a lot. Like the uh, the basic concepts are very similar. That that you have nodes which you can chain together, um, and Tone.js also also has things which which are basically the the native things. But it it has a lot of stuff on top of it, like it's um. I'm I'm not sure I can think of a good an, an analogy for that, but it's it's like the yeah if, if you if you think of the web audio API as a as a modular synthesizer, um then Tone.js uses this modular synthesizer to plug together a few of the modules to um, produce higher level modules for you, so. Yeah, I can't think of a good example for now, but um, yeah, that's that's basically the the idea behind it. I think. Okay, uh, nice. Like it was not it was developed by Yotam, so he, he has to to answer this question ultimately. But I think that that was the idea. Okay, nice. Uh, so I also know where to where to start with. So TypeScript and Tone.js, and <laughs> and we're we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Now. Uh, Maybe towards towards the end, I wanted to ask you, how do you go about your open source contributions? Because I know that you had a lot of them. And uh, for someone who's interested in this, where do your ideas come from? How how do you find projects to contribute to? And, and which in which areas do you contribute in? Um, I think my, my contributions are actually very, very selfish. Like I... When I run into a bug um, with with an open source project, I and and I know that that they accept PRs. I usually try to fix it, and that's how I make contributions. But it's it's always it's not that I browse the issues and try to find something that I can work on. I it's always something that 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 I want to get fixed now, and then then I do it. And and that's also. I think then the main motivation for my own projects when I when I work on something which which I need and then I put it out because I think other people might need it too. And also you can you can even uh, think of that as a very selfish thing because when you put put something out, you get actually well sometimes you get like simple questions, but oftentimes you also get detailed bug reports from people and they tell you about bugs that that you had no idea that that you had in your software so it's yeah actually uh, uh quite rewarding then in the end okay that's that's great that you also had this this uh, n- that you experience this nice side of the internet then yeah that there's obviously it's not only nice as you can imagine <laughs> but 
Yeah, as soon as you put something in the out in the wild, this will happen. That crazy people will find you, but not only crazy people. Yeah, uh, let's let's stick to it. And then uh, maybe if if you could have a wish about the web audio programming environment, what would it be? What would you wish for the web audio programming? Like in general, like the, the broader picture? Yeah, maybe what is the broader picture. So what we would wish that would be technologically possible. Mm. Yeah, I think in general, like uh, a thing when you work on the web, that is very frustrating is that it takes such a long time for things to to uh finally become usable like the uh there's a fairly new thing in the web audio api which allows you to set the output device um like uh traditionally you only when you create an audio context it will al always go to the uh default audio output on your system there was a hacky way to do uh, to route to another audio device in Chrome, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really meant to be used like that, and it also had a, a lot of drawbacks. But it was like I, I can't remember that that anyone ever was against adding this properly to the Web Audio API. Like there were no objections to it, but still, someone had to write the spec text for it. Someone had to review it. Someone had to. Um, yeah, proofread it, then someone had to implement it, then, yeah, it, it's still not there. Like, I think Firefox released it, is releasing it or released it a few weeks ago, and Safari doesn't have it. Chrome has it, but in a, in a quirky way. And, yeah, it's taking years, but even though, like, it's, it's not a controversial thing, like, now you can uh, imagine how long it will take if you have something controversial. Like, <laughs> it takes the multitude longer. But if, if I could wish for something, I would love to to speed this up. Yeah, I think okay. I think the C plus plus developers fill you with their you know not just the standard releases, but then also waiting for the compilers to follow up with you know what's been yeah. voted into the standard. Yeah, I actually think that that uh, going back to your previous question, like I think that's something that the ADC is also very good for because in in the web audio or in the web bubble, there's always this notion of ah the web sucks. Native programming must be much better. And then if if you actually go out and talk to uh, other developers, then you realize yeah, it's the same <laughs> same problems everywhere. Like it's it's not that it's that it's uh, magically resolved and. You don't have to deal with it anymore when you go to native world. Like I can imagine that it's that it's uh, completely uh, a nightmare to develop Android apps for ten different Android versions, for example. It sometimes is. It sometimes <laughs> is because you you get done, um, you know, a bug report, which happens on every Android device that has a certain Android version. And in your company, you know, you have 50 test phones and emulators, but not this one. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, at one point, we actually needed to order a specific Android device to see what the problem was and then do Git bisect and, you know, find the, the, the problem and solve it, actually. So, but yeah. talk to me about an expensive way to solve a bug. <laughs> Yeah, that's also why I don't want to sound uh, too negative about the the web environment. Like it's, <laughs> I think it's the same everywhere. You cannot really hide from the, these kind of problems. Yeah, but then when you when you overcome them, it gives you a lot of you know satisfaction <laughs> and self confidence, right? <laughs> Until you uh, get to know about the next one. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Chris, uh, thanks a lot. It was a great conversation. Thank you very much. And the last question regarding uh, potential fans and potential clients. <laughs> so if someone wanted to contact you, where do you recommend they go? Mm, you can just go to my website and send me an email if you want to contact me. I usually take pride in, uh, I take pride in answer every email I get. If you manage to 
to address me by name and you add your name too, then I usually reply. But yeah, my, um, at some point, I had to pick a con company name, and my company is called Media Codings. So my website is media-codings.com. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for this interview, yeah, and I hope pleasure. to I hope to meet you then soon in person. Yeah, we will surely do <laughs> because you you're here. Uh, yeah, once in a while. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye bye. All right, everyone, that was Christoph Gutandin, a web audio developer from Berlin. An awesome, awesome guy. Thanks a lot, Chris, for this interview. If you, dear listener, would like to read up on the tools and resources that Chris mentioned during this podcast episode, then please head over to episode notes at dwolfsound.com slash talk014. Once again, dwolfsound.com slash talk014. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be really happy if you click the thumbs up button on YouTube, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and please also consider giving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Thanks a lot for it. And thank you for all the positive feedback that I got after these podcast episodes. So remember about your free resource the audio plugin developer checklist at dwoofsound.com slash checklist, your personal roadmap of how to become an audio developer. And I'd like to thank you for watching and listening. See you in the next one. Take care.